Zan said, today we're starting a, a new series of messages based on the book of Psalms, shouting out loud to God, telling God what's on your mind, what's on your heart, the good, the bad, and, and, and otherwise. A lot of people probably have the misconception that it's, it's not okay or that it's irreverent to tell God what you're thinking. A couple of things. God already knows. And secondly, it is healthy for us when we express to God how we're feeling and acknowledge what we know he already knows. Honest with God. Today is the easiest of, of the five because we're going to talk about joy today. I say it's the easiest. I guess that's uh, joy if joy comes natural for you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you've got joy just overflowing and splashing on everybody around you, then, then and that's a pretty easy easy topic. How's your joy today? How's his joy today? <laughs> it was perhaps the better question. How's his joy? Because as we're going to see in one of our supporting texts today, it's not so much our joy as it is his joy in us. We are filled with his joy and everyone around us ought to be able to see it. Here's my bottom line for today. I'll read it twice, make sure we get it. Blessings lead to joyful expressions which lead to more blessings, which lead to more joyful expressions, which on and on and on. Because if you have, if you have blessings, then you've got to be able to express your joy over those. And when you express that joy, then we kind of get more blessing. And whether you want to call it a spiritual momentum, uh, whatever you want to call it, one kind of leads into the next, which leads into the next. Derek Kidner calls the first half of Psalm 126... A delirious happiness and relief. Have you been, ever been just so happy that you almost feel delirious? Out of your mind kind of, of joy. Busting, as, as people might say. It's in the seventh, this is the seventh psalm, Psalm 126, is the seventh psalm of ascent that was likely written upon the Israelites' return from Babylonian captivity. Redemption leads to gratuity. We are grateful to God and we want to express it. The idea is that as one reflects on God's redemption of the past and praises him for it, there is a, a powerful reminder that he can restore them again. This is a psalm that's not so much going to cause us to reflect on what God's done for us in the past as it is to look forward to what God can do again for us in the future. Now, here's what Psalm 126 says. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Drought was a very real and current enemy that the Israelites were facing, and they could... It could relate to, uh, and so powerful an imagery is given of that of a farmer sowing his seed in faith that there will be a harvest. And you see that in those six short verses of Psalm 126. Joy is not a Pollyanna uh, kind of attitude that just pretends suffering doesn't 
exist. Uh, you know, maybe I, I remember when, when we went through some uh, classes before our first child was born called the Bradley Method, and, and we were supposed to just imagine the pain didn't exist. <laughs> well, it sounded great in the classroom. <laughs> sounded great to the dad, right? I had the easier part of the, of the deal. But after our first son was born, we said, good news, <laughs> we have a son, and we're burning the Bradley book. <laughs> Joy is not Pollyanna. It's not imagining the pain doesn't exist. It is joy, though, that is a reminder of what God has done in the past, that God is still with us, and that no matter what we go through in this life, we are more than victorious through him. Jeremiah 29.10 says this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. The Jewish Talmud speaks of a man named Honai who slept for 70 years. It is said that before he fell asleep, Honai saw an old man planting a tree that would not bear fruit for 70 years. And we kind of see that in this this desperation for God to do what he had done for them when this God who had freed them from Babylonian captivity and they needed him desperately to give them a harvest. Two things we need to realize as a church today. One, we need to realize when we are blessed. It is so easy to take for granted what you already have. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, when God is doing a great thing and God is moving and we see it Sunday after Sunday or week after week and we kind of begin, we can kind of begin to take it for granted because it's there, it's, it's expected, it's, it's anticipated. Do you know that we have 81 kids and students in our congregation birthed through senior and high school? You realize how uncommon that is in, in smaller churches today? We are, we are blessed May we never lose sight of that blessing. May we always celebrate that. May we always give God the credit for it. May we ask him for more of it. May we wave that he is created. In his book, The Purpose Driven Church, Rick Warren talks about we don't create the waves, but we recognize the waves that God has created, and we, we are willing to ride the waves that he creates. And God has created a wave for us here at Dover Christian Church. Part of it is our geography, that our proximity to a large high school across the street from us is a, is a wonderful thing that, that we have, a mission field right across the street from us where we can serve our community and, and, and speak to the next generation. Our church typically gives over $50,000 to missions through our Faith Promise Partnerships. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that just blows my mind when people say, oh, tell me about your church in Dover, right? And I'll tell them what's going on here. And they're always blown away by that when I tell them, yeah, we, we have this faith promise commitment that we do in November and over the course of the year and especially as the year wraps up as we get closer to the end of the calendar year, it really comes in. And I've seen it as high as $60,000 is given away uh, to our 13 mission partnerships. That's phenomenal. We launched a growth group emphasis during our Sunday school hour at the beginning of 2019. And I saw, we saw several new families and individuals start attending them, resulting in nearly 60% of our, of our weekly worship attendance in growth groups. 
somebody asked me just this morning uh, what the, the average is. And I, I don't know much past my Bible college days on that, but, but it used to be said that, you know, 22 to 25, somewhere in the mid-20% range is what you could kind of expect in a Sunday school program of your worship attendance. And here at Dover, we have nearly 60%. We had a real low worship attendance a few weeks ago, and we had 104 in growth groups. And that is so important for us because we are too small for a, a thriving small group ministry and too big not to have some smaller groups for people to fit into. And I'm real excited about our growth groups. Last March, <laughs> you collected over 900 pounds of peanut butter to give away through Lifeline Christian Mission. Going to places like Haiti and giving protein to, to children in the name of the Lord there. That is a phenomenal thing. 900 pounds of peanut butter filled this stage. That's a lot of peanut butter. It's 84% more than we had ever given in the previous years. Fantastic. We have several students in our congregation who achieve amazing things academically and athletically during the week. And they choose to worship with us on Sunday mornings. It blows my mind. You know, I watch them on WBTV, and I see them play in the sports and, and the instant replays and the commercials, and I forget I'm not watching ESPN. And then I come in Dover, and here they are, and I'm like, wow. To me, they're famous, you know. But they recognize who they are in the eyes of the Lord, and they put him first time and time again. I'm impressed by that. We are uniquely blessed. Our Super Saturday programs in the summer Elevate Kids Ministry, 55 and Better Groups, our Outdoor Worship Service, our Trunk or Treat that we put on for Thorntown Elementary Community, the excitement and the buy-in to the Developing Living Hope Initiative through Love, Inc., mission trips to Ethiopia and Shiloh Christian Children's Ranch, and I could go on and on and on, but are you like me? Have you gotten blind to what we expect and to what we typically see? If we didn't already have it and we suddenly started having it, we'd go, wow, God is great. Look at what God is doing. And we'd have the faith and the courage to ask him to expand our ministries and to do even more because we've seen what he can do in the past. I pray that we get fresh eyes on that. I pray that, that our congregation will continue to embrace all of these new families that are coming into our, our, our congregation. And if you'll have conversations with them, you're going to hear some, some great testimonies from them on their first observations, their first impressions of the life that is in this church that is uncommon today. We are uniquely blessed. I see my friends Bob and Jane Wilhite here again today, and I know they make a great effort to be here, and I, I didn't get Bob's permission to share this, but I've heard him say more than once that when the, their first impression didn't happen in here, it happened out in the lobby, because when they opened that door to walk in, he said, I heard laughter. <laughs> I heard fellowship. I saw young people. And he's like, you just don't see that much anymore. And they loved that about our church and chose to become part of our congregation. We are blessed. So recognize the blessings and recognize that God is the source of all of them. In John chapter 15, Jesus talked about himself being the true vine and how we as the branches must remain connected to him in order to bear much fruit. He, he wraps up that metaphor, the vine and the branches, in verse 11. He says, these, uh, therefore, I have spoken to you, these things I have spoken to you that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
Jesus says, you know, the vine and the branches. If you clip a branch off of a vine, it doesn't take long for that branch to begin to wither. The, the leaves start to curl up at first. And then they get crunchy and crispy. When I was a kid and I'd be mowing grass, we lived way out in the country, had a lot of pine trees, and the pine trees were kind of notorious for attracting poison ivy. Fortunately, I wasn't very allergic to it, but still, who wants to take chances, right? And the poison ivy would be growing up the side of one of those pine trees all the way up to the very tip top, and you'd see, you'd see it start to kind of take over and as a parasite, uh, kind of taking advantage of its host, and, and, and I realized this, I've got to put a stop to this. So I'd take out a pocket knife... And I'd get down on my knees, and I'd cut out about a one or two inch segment of that vine, flake it off with a knife, and I'd continue mowing grass for the next couple of hours. And on a hot summer day, by the time I'd finished cutting grass, even up in the top of that tree, way up there, you'd see that poison ivy starting to really suffer <laughs> because I had cut off its source. It wasn't getting the nutrients it wasn't getting the hydration that it needed. Come back to cut grass next week and it would be dead. And over the course of time, it would begin to decay and to go away. Oh, sure, the, the part that's still in the ground might start to try to send up new shoots, if, if you will. But I didn't have to remove it all the way up the tree. All I had to do was separate it from its source. We're the branches. And Jesus is the vine. And what he is, is, is doing is he's making it possible for us to bear fruit, right? We're supposed to be bearing fruit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to be bearing this fruit. And so we need to stay connected to him. And verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Earlier I asked you the question, how's his joy? <laughs> Not how's your joy, how's his joy? Are you filled with the joy of the Lord? The New Living Translation, not my favorite translation, but I like it for this verse because it uses the word overflow. <laughs> Your joy will overflow. And I like that because it kind of gives that idea that the joy of the Lord doesn't just fill you to the rim, completely satiated by, by his joy, but so much so that it overflows. Anybody around you getting drenched with the joy of the Lord? Because it so fills you? I hope so. Remember that song we used to sing as kids? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. I saw a button one time that says, if you've got the joy, joy, joy down in your heart, how's about alerting your face? <laughs> as Christians, our face should surely show it, right? Here's how it plays out in verses 12 through 17. Of John 15. Jesus goes on to say, This is my commandment. You love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I have commanded you so that you will love one another. Attached to Jesus, filled with his joy, and loving one another. 
Well, I tell you, if you don't get anything else out of this message, write down those three things. Attached to Jesus, filled with his joy, loving one another. Boy, if we'll do those three things in 2020, it'll be amazing what God can do. So we are blessed, and we recognize Jesus as the source of our blessing. Now, I have a little bit of an object lesson for us today. One more item, and I would have needed an assistant. So here we go. This is my favorite scent, Woodwick's Redwood Candle. And it's the crackling kind. I love it because it smells so good. It's not perfumey. It's not overly feminine. It's what I have in my office. Sometimes I have uh, the wicking sticks you know, that just kind of soaks it up and lets it waft through the air. It smells woodsy and spicy. And this is extra special. I got this for Christmas. I'm going to kneel down here with my microphone. Maybe you can hear. Can you hear it crackling? <laughs> I, I can hear Rick's, Rick Carter's blood pressure. <laughs> He's going, oh, no. <laughs> As my microphone starts dripping onto the table. Yeah. Anyway. Take my word for it. Everyone go crackle, 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 crackle. Oh, isn't that a nice sound? Yes. All right. It's beautiful, right? It puts off some light. On a, on a dreary day, if I light this candle in my office and sit on the corner of my desk, I watch the smoke kind of wisp around and dance and listen to the crackle and smell the good smell. and It uh, puts off a little warmth even, or at least I imagine that it does. But if I cover it up, there's an obvious and immediate uh, effect, and that is that we quickly don't, <laughs> we don't have the smell anymore, and we don't get to hear the crackle, and as you can see, it doesn't take long before the oxygen is gone and the flame goes out. It's been said that an impression without an expression will lead to depression. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have not just your own happiness in a good mood, but you have the joy of the Lord in you, welling up, filling you, overflowing, and you put it under something that will snuff it out, and no one gets to see your joy his joy in you. No one gets to, to hear your testimony, your celebration, and we just go through the motions and we take things for granted that are blessings from the Lord and we forget to celebrate them. It's not long before our flame goes out. And we say, what can we do for revival? How can we get fired up for the Lord? What's the latest gimmick? What's the best book? What's, what's the podcast I need to listen to? Who do we need to bring in? Who's the consultant? Who, who can fill me up? The Holy Spirit can fill you up. <laughs> and that's who we need to turn to because there aren't enough gimmicks in the world to take the place of the joy of the Lord. Three things that we should do about our blessings. One, we should have a collective laughter and joy. A collective laughter and joy. Did you notice that in verse 2, where it used a plural pronoun, our, but only one mouth and only one tongue? <laughs> kind of 
grammarian just a little bit nervous. <laughs> our mouth, our tongue. Our mouth was filled with laughter and with joy. Two. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? A church that is united and is full of the joy of the Lord is doing great things in her community. The Lord's doing great things through her. Our mouth, our tongue. We as a body of Christ should be so excited about the Lord. We should be talking about what's going on and what's coming up and what people can get in on and be a part of. Whether Zion's was from a famine or a siege, captivity or plague. It had been obviously, miraculously, and widely talked about. It remained a vivid national memory. It was like a dream. You know that word surreal. <laughs> when you've been in captivity for so long and you've been promised that freedom is coming and you've finally been set free from it and you finally are filled with the joy of the Lord, it can seem surreal. I had to pinch myself, someone would say, to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Are you that full of the joy of the Lord. Verse 3 is still looking back to it. it. says, the Lord did great things for us and we were overjoyed. Second thing, share our story with the community around us. The second half of verse 2 and verse 3 says, Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. <laughs> The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. What is being said about us among the nations? What is being said about us among the communities? What is being said about us in the local school? What is being said about us in, in Lebanon? What is being said about us in, in the Western Boone community area out here? Are people saying, oh, you go to Dover? Oh, the Lord's doing great things there. F.F. Bruce writes, even Gentiles were impressed and admitted that Israel's God must be responsible for this miracle. Not to be outdone by pagans, Israel echo in glad and simple testimony their indebtedness to God's power. Are you giving God the credit for it? Are we doing anything so big that if God's not in it, we'll fail? Are we getting the attention of others because the joy of the Lord and, uh, has so blessed us? And that brings me to one final thing. Three things that we should do about our blessings. Have a collective laughter and joy. Share our story with the community around us. And finally, ask God to give us a harvest. So they look back and they talk about what we were like men who dream, you know. And our tongue, our mouth was filled with laughter and, and joy. But they're not done yet. Is God Finished with Dover Christian Church? Are we all that we should be? Have we arrived? Is it time to just sit back, kind of coast, rest on our laurels? I don't think so. Verse 4 says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Memory must be more than nostalgic. When you start talking about the good old days and you remember back when, whether it was a revival and several people flooded the aisles and the baptismal pool water was stirred and you remember a great day or maybe it was a praise gathering and, and a large number of people turned out and we sang songs or a building was dedicated. You went on that first missions trip. When you remember things, it's got to be about more than nostalgia. It must be the impetus to hope. Verse 1 
could have been merely a sigh. Hmm. We used to have a great youth program. Or we used to give a lot to missions. Oh, I remember back when. But that's not what this is, is it? It's not a sigh of regret of what they used to be. It is looking forward to the future of what can and should and will be with the help of the Lord. And that is pretty awesome. It sets the tone in the scope of confident intercession. Two images of renewal are are not only striking, but they are complementary. The first is all about the suddenness, a sheer gift from heaven. But the second part, and those of you who work hard as, as farmers or in the farming industry, you can appreciate that it is a slow and arduous process. When man allotted a crucial part, man is allotted a crucial part to play in it. Hard work. Talking about going out with seed to sow. And tears. There was a great drought that they were facing. And you could sow the seeds, but if there's no rain and there hasn't been rain, there's no rain predicted, it can be a very sad and daunting task. Isaiah 43 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. <laughs> Such a great verse of scripture. Isaiah 43, 19, God makes roadways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He specializes in the impossible, where failure is not an option, where man cannot do it alone. God steps in and takes what we are trying to accomplish, and he makes it happen. Verse 4 is ultimately a prayer for the coming of Jesus, who will complete God's work among his people. And for us, we can look at that in past tense, because Jesus has come, and he did go to the cross, and he died a very, a very painful and embarrassing death for you and for me. And do you remember what his last three words were? <laughs> it is what? finished. It is complete. Check. The whole purpose for which he came, Christmas, the whole purpose of Christmas was that of, of Good Friday, of going to the cross, and of three days later, of Easter Sunday, of celebrating his resurrection. It is finished. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. God's redemptive work is, is the greatest blessing that you will ever, ever receive. I could minimize it with earthly analogies of debts that we could possibly owe and to have those forgiven. And you know how elated you would be. If you had a $20,000 medical bill or, or credit card debt or a fine of some sort that you could not pay, and every day you thought about it, and you woke up before you even knew you were awake thinking about it, you, you were thinking about it. And then to find out that you had been randomly selected, perhaps, <laughs> by some sort of a, uh, a philanthropist who was just picking people out and paying off their debts, how would it feel to see the words paid in full? $20,000 pales comparison as an example to the sin debt that you and I have 
All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. None of us is righteous, not even one. And even our good deeds are filthy rags before our perfect, holy, pure God. None of us deserves heaven. You'll hear people say at the funeral home of a, of a wonderful, saintly person, they'll say, well, you know she went to heaven, or you know he went to heaven. And if we know that that person was a believer in Jesus and had been born again into him, baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection, and following him faithfully, we can say, yep, that's right. But it's not so much because they avoided bad things or because they did good things. It's because Jesus did the perfect thing, the complete thing. And if that's you today, if you are a born-again follower of Jesus, then someday people can say of you, well, you know he's in heaven. Well, you know she's in heaven. And it won't have anything to do with the fact that you were a good person or that you avoided bad things. It'll be because of who you knew. Did you know Jesus? Did you have a saving relationship with him? They had gone to Babylon in tears. Yet their sorrow reaped tremendous rewards. The Lord came to the rescue of his humbled people. And upon their return to Jerusalem and Judah, they were reaping a harvest of rejoicing. I told you about the story of Honai. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But in the story from the, the Talmud, it says he ate a meal and slept for 70 years. <laughs> Remember... He had seen an elderly man planting a tree that would not. And when he awoke from his 70-year nap, he saw the old man's grandson gathering fruit from the tree that the old man had planted 70 years prior. We have a God who can do immeasurably more than all we can think or imagine. I thought my candle would flame would burn just a little longer than it did. Well, I'm kind of glad it went out so quickly because it kind of represents how quickly our joy can be snuffed out by circumstances. Things don't go our way as if God had promised. And we say, no joy. Or someone disappoints us. We say, I used to go to church. Too many hypocrites. Our joy gets snuffed out. Is it your joy? Or is it his joy that fills you this morning? Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your amazing love. Lord, I thank you that we can come before you and express the impressions on our heart to you. And Father, that you will listen to us the way a parent listens to a child of, of his or her own. And that you love us. God, I thank you that this morning, the story is that of joy. I know we have some tough ones coming up, um, ones of repentance over brokenness over sin, for instance. But this morning, God, we have joy, and our joy is in your son, Jesus, and in him alone. And God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for this time of decision. Would you have your way, God, as we each one wrestle with what fills us with joy this morning? Father God, I pray that you would remind us that it is your Son and your Holy Spirit, God, who is the one who fills us. Father God, we thank you for him, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.